0: We ask that you come. We thank you for your love and your presence. We thank you for um this, how kind you are. You are very kind, Lord, to give us the opportunity to, to gather us as family, as your children, and in in good, brilliant days, in dull days, and when the sun's shining, when it's raining, Lord, you have always been with us. And I ask now that, Father, you speak to us. Uh, Do what only you can do in us. In Jesus' name. I want us to start by reading Scripture together. So it'll be on the screen, and I encourage us to read aloud. There's there's power in reading Scripture uh, publicly and together. So this is Acts 2. Uh, From 42 to 47. Can we read? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. (laughs) They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Yes. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So Jesus is risen and the Holy Spirit has been poured out and the church is just beginning to take shape. This is, this is the context uh, in which uh, we, we, uh, we find the scripture we, we've read. And from early on, uh, the, the book was written by a guy called Luke. Uh, he was a companion of uh, Paul, the apostle. And so from, uh, he's drawing us a picture of, of the things that shaped the church from early on. And, and I think basically the things that the church should continue to be shaped by. One, uh, uh, a certain, uh, he's talking about certain devotions, things that they committed themselves to, things that they said to themselves that these are things we have to keep doing. These are things we have to hold fastly to. So one of them was being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, so... Uh, Another thing to note about uh, the portion we just read, uh, after the, the, the Spirit of God was poured out, Peter preached the gospel so boldly and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. So what were the apostles teaching? Right, so it's, it's not that, it, 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 uh, we're talking about the church, it's not that they haven't believed the gospel. So what were the apostles teaching? Uh, a glimpse of it, to kind of know what, what They were teaching what the teaching of the apostles might have meant. Look at the letters the apostles kept writing. What do the letters essentially do? They're telling people, if the gospel is true, and because you've believed the gospel, here is how you should live your life. Because the gospel is true, look at Paul's letters, look at uh, Peter's letters, look at the letters of James. Because you've believed the gospel... Uh, this is what it means for your life as a master or a slave, as a married person or a single person, as a government official, as a business person, as a child, as a parent. They're telling them how to live out the way of Jesus. And this is what they devoted themselves to. It's, it's because Jesus, when, when he was about to uh, ascend to heaven, he told the disciples, make disciples, then teach them to obey. I think sometimes the church has done a great job at teaching people to know. And people know, as, you know, this country and many others. John 3.16, everyone just, oh, for God so loved the world. And I'm not saying it's wrong, but we've done a better job of teaching people to know and not such a good job at teaching people to obey. So the apostles' teaching was basically, how do you obey what Jesus commanded? Or how do you live out the way of Jesus? or uh, otherwise said because the gospel is true what does this mean for your life then they devoted themselves to community and eating together you know that that portion tells us that they often met they met both at the temple square meaning corporately like what we do every sunday and sometimes on wednesdays uh they met corporately but they also ate in each other's houses. And they also met around the tables in smaller groups. When they met, they ate together. That's, hey, this is partly why it's so important for us whenever we can to, or somebody just asks us why, why we don't have Mandazi. Um, so, just putting it out there. This is important. That's why we, we want to always have uh, tea or coffee, you know, something we could all share together. Every time we meet, uh, one of our local churches in Nairobi, uh, one of their slogans is, when we meet, we eat. It's, it's actually a deeply Christian thing to do. When we meet, we eat. And so they, they met corporately and they also met around tables in, your, in their homes. And the community was doing life together. They had everything in common. And then the community was also providing for each other's needs. These are things they devoted themselves to. The church early on decided these are things that will mark us. Then they devoted themselves to prayer. Prayer is our way of being with the Father. You know, we, 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 we did a series in prayer early, early this year. And there are many forms of prayer. Uh, none of which is about getting God to do what we want. Right, there are many forms of prayer, none of which is about getting God to do what we want. Rather, prayer is about being with the Father, even if He doesn't do what we hope He would. It's complicated. What, uh, why uh, you know the whole subject of unanswered prayer is we cannot simplify it. We cannot oversimplify it, and, and the heartbreak it causes. Why why we see other uh, people get healed and others not? You know this. This morning, uh, someone was just sharing with me. I wasn't here last Sunday. I don't skip church often, um, but I wasn't in this church last Sunday. And so there was a prophetic word shared about uh, neck pain, and he had just had an accident uh, the, uh, the week before, and he received prayer, and, and it just went away. So it's amazing what God does, but we cannot quite... Um, over uh, we cannot oversimplify the mystery of why certain prayers are answered and why we have an answered prayer because it's a reality of our life but one thing for sure about prayer is that it's a way of being with God prayer is our way of hosting the presence of God allowing him to do in us what only he can do right so uh, we were sat with uh, a, um, uh, a dear friend of mine. We were doing a pastor's training, um, a leader's training in Nairobi. Um, and, you know, he, he said he is, he is 57. And he said, you know, it's, it's surprising that the things he struggled with at 18 are the same things he, some of the same things he's still struggling with at 57. And if we're very honest with ourselves, every time you're going, Lord, forgive me, some of those things are the things you've struggled with since you were 18. And, you know, so willpower and deciding I will never do this again in the name of the Lord doesn't actually transform us. Uh, But we can, in our willpower, decide to host the presence of God and He can do in us what only He can do. That's one of the things they devoted themselves to then the results of these devotions signs and wonders were poured out more and more people came to faith you see it's so sad that today we are more devoted to finding signs and wonders just put it on facebook that one person was healed and your church if you're planning to plant one here is the secret your church will be full overnight um now, listen, hear me clearly. We are, a, we are a church that is part of a movement that believes that God moves and he's working today. That's why every other weekend we say, hey, who is sick and needs prayer? Because we've seen God move. We know he's still moving. That's why we, 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 when we pray for the sick, we ask them, how are you feeling right now? Because we are expecting that the, uh, the, the, the God who healed will still heal. That's why we are excited when we see people freed of, of demonic oppression. And we've seen that. Sadly, we, uh, the church has got uh, sometimes is in a place where we are chasing signs and wonders. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, signs and wonders, miracles, all that stuff are, are gifts the Father gives the church right? They're functions of, of charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts. Uh, the father just gives because he loves his children. And here is here the reason we have that word signs is because they are exactly that. They are signs pointing to the fact that the kingdom of God is breaking in here and now. There's signs of the kingdom breaking in. They're not our main focus. They're not what we should Uh, we we should long for signs and wonders, but they're not our entire being of following Jesus. Um, And then the other piece is we've gotten to a place where we treat God's children as statistics. You know, how many souls did you lead to Jesus this week? Some people have that built in their job description. We've gotten to a place where we're treating God's children as statistics. We're in soul-winning business. It's not I'm not saying it's not important to share our faith. That actually is very important. It's part of what we were instructed to do. But do, do, do you see what, what, uh, what Luke says? As they devoted themselves to these things, the Father added to their number those who were being saved. Essentially, we are only invited to join God in what already He is doing in the world because when Jesus was lifted up, he drew men and women to himself, and he is still drawing men and women to, him, to himself. So the things that we have something to do about, the things that we can devote and commit ourselves to, one, teachings of the apostles, proper teaching, how to live out the way of Jesus. That's something you can do something about. That's something we as a church community can do something about. Uh, Two, we need to commit ourselves to prayer and worship and hosting the presence of God. That's something we can, we can determine ourselves to do something about. And then we must commit ourselves to community and eating together. We must commit ourselves to corporate worship and worship around tables. Early on, early on, as the church was starting, uh, they committed themselves to do this in community. They, they met corporately like we do on Sunday mornings and in their homes, eating together, providing each other's needs, providing for each other's needs. This is what the church has been called to do. One of the things the church has been called to do. And doing life together. Now it seems that community is a huge part of how we we are supposed to follow Jesus. So this was the beginning of the church, and then fast forward a couple decades as they've been doing this thing and uh, their their fires to put out, their encouragements to give. Uh, some of the apostles have been murdered. Fast forward to to a couple decades later, we have letters that the apostles are writing, and in these letters and uh, and even uh, through the stories of the life of Jesus that they wrote, we have. Fifty-nine verses uh, are all about one, with the phrase, one another. Be at peace with one another, Mark 9:50. Be devoted to one another, Romans 12. Love one another, 1 John 4, 7. Live in harmony with one another, 1 Peter 3, 8. Confess your sins to one another. We don't like that part, John 5, 6. The apostles are making two key assumptions. One that you are going to follow Jesus in community. And two, that community is too messy. We need a bit of instructions on how to do it. Our faith was never meant to be a private thing that we just say, oh, I, I, I follow Jesus in my own way. What way is that? There's only one way, the way of Jesus. And our faith was never meant to be done alone. Uh, this journey was never meant to be done alone. There are two key assumptions the apostles are making. One, you will follow Jesus and in community. And two, it's going to be messy. And I think it's possible to even stop today's sermon there, but I still have a bit of time, so anyway. But anyway, so where do they get this from? Why would Paul, Peter, James, John, why would they insist on this? Where do they get it from? I think they're replaying the script from their rabbi jesus they're they're doing exactly what jesus did with them modeled for them and sent out sent them out to do this is how they were discipled this is how they were transformed and we know they were transformed because why else would you decide to be ready to die unless you're going i have i have no other way to live my life except for this why? We know they were transformed because simple fishermen uh, 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 decided to commit their, their lives to, 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 uh, to this kingdom, to this business, as if their lives depended on it, as if they were ready to give up their lives for it, and they did. But how they were discipled and how they were transformed, it seems community was at the heart of it. Jesus came to us as a teacher, which means... You remember those devotions. Devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching. Jesus came as a, came as a teacher. He was teaching them. One, he brought truth to replace bad narratives uh, from which we sometimes live our lives, and he would also teach them because this is true. Here is then how you must live your life. Then Jesus did this community. Uh, did this in a community. He gathered twelve people. With whom he actually lived his life. It wasn't weekly classes, then you can go back home. This, he lived his life with these 12, modeling how to live. And then he was the very presence of God. He's Emmanuel, he's God with us. It's it's like Jesus is already giving them uh, a template that when when you start doing these things, when you've received power, and you're my, uh, uh, you're my uh, witnesses in Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, when this time comes, remember to devote yourselves to teaching. Remember to devote yourselves to community and eating together. Remember to devote yourselves to always being in the presence of God. This is where it started from. Matthew 4, 18-22. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you to fish for people. And that wasn't just like a cheesy line Jesus used. Uh, It it actually meant, I will make you a rabbi. I will make you uh, someone who's in the business of Forming and transforming people just like me. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing the nets, Jesus, said, Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus is a traveling preacher. He promised, he promised to make them just like him, and then he makes this invitation, come, follow me. Unlike, you know, when, sadly, we, we can lose what, what this means just because we're in the age of social media. And when someone says, hey, do you follow me? They're probably saying, you know, are you, are you liking their content? And, and the, the, what Jesus was inviting us to wasn't, oh, will you like my content? So many in church like Jesus' content. We like what he says. We really like that. And then when he he becomes, you know how we, uh, on social media, there's a heart. And then on Facebook, there's a thumbs down, I think, and an angry face. We literally are following Jesus in that sense. When we like what he says, when we think we can do that, oh, heart, 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 heart. And then when it becomes, when it goes against what we want to do, angry face. I, I, you know, I'm not sure Jesus really meant that. I'm not sure, right? But Jesus isn't calling us to like his content. When he, meant follow, when he said, follow me, those 12 that were called literally abandoned everything. They left their way of life. They left their family. They le- fathers are, are, oh my word, sometimes fathers are always forgotten. And this is one clear picture. James and John going, oh, dad, it's been great knowing you all our lives. We have a different way to live now. And they just go. Um, From that moment, they were going to go everywhere Jesus went. They were going to eat where Jesus ate. They were going to hang out with whoever Jesus hangs out with. They were going to sleep where Jesus slept. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) When, When I encourage you to have a sense of humor, it's not in those places. Let's move on as if it never happened. <clears throat> when, <clears throat> when Jesus was inviting these 12, when Jesus was making an invita- invitation to <laughs> his disciples, it was an invitation to community. It was not some sort of private thing. Everybody knew they left their father. Where are they going? They're following Jesus nowadays. Everybody knew Peter is no longer a fisherman. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, Peter is no longer into fishing. What is he doing? He's following Jesus nowadays. Who's Jesus? That rabbi who keeps walking around here and healing the sick. It literally meant it wasn't private. It wasn't some sort of convenient faith. Like, okay, Peter, when you have time from fishing, come follow me. No, it, it, it meant changing their entire way of life. It wasn't some sort of classes that they would sign up to and, uh, when they want to and then check out when it's like, oh my gosh, I've been doing this for too long. I'm tired. A life of transformation can only happen in community with Jesus and with others. That's essentially what Jesus was modeling. And it's the same invitation to all of us today. When Jesus is saying, come follow me, He isn't saying, hey, add me onto your list of many things you do. He isn't saying, hey, when it's convenient, can we talk about your life? When it's convenient, can we talk about your marriage? When it's convenient, can can we talk about your job? He's saying, hey, come follow me. Be where I am. In fact, I've always found it interesting that Jesus... Never invited them to believe in him until towards the very end. He said, come follow me. Come hang out with me. Come live where I live. Then at the end, he said, believe in who, he who sent me and believe also in me. We, we often want to start, oh, I have faith. And I think that's why James says, even the demons believe in God. The difference comes in, in whether we will follow Jesus, whether, whether we will be where he is whether we will be with him uh, and love who he loves, whether we will make him Lord, come follow me. But let us not miss this, what Jesus was doing from the beginning. The invitation to follow Jesus was invitation into a community. But let's look at Jesus's small community. Do we know that Jesus had more than 12 disciples? And everybody who went through 844 system is just going, my whole life has been a lie. Jesus had more than 12 disciples, right? You know, we have 72 and then there are uh, the 100 and I think 120 who are waiting uh, in the upper room. All those were his disciples. What's, what's unique about these 12? They were his community. He did life with them. Uh, and then uh, uh, Jesus had a crowd. There was always a crowd around Jesus. So the real question sometimes is, are you in the crowd? Some of us come to church, but we're really just in the crowd. We like this stuff. And sometimes Jesus one day told them, I know you guys follow me because I give you food. Some of us are around the Jesus stuff because you got healed. You got freedom. You love the worship. Sometimes it's just emotional. Sometimes you're actually experiencing the presence of God. You love that stuff but you're just in the crowd. And some are like, yeah, I, I could try, I, I, you know, when it's convenient. But Jesus is inviting, then he had a, he had a core group that he invited you, follow me. On con, uh, so, so in Jesus' community, there was, you know, fishermen like Peter, James, and John, and then and Andrew, and then uh, Others had skills that were considered a little higher, like uh, Judas who could deal with money, and Matthew was a tax collector, probably therefore good in, with numbers, and with a bit of thievery. it was believed. Um, then there, are, uh, there were people who were schemers, like James and John, who went to their mom and said, could you go ask Jesus if he could treat us better than the others, right? If he could make us, you, you, you saw the, the, our president uh, launch his government and there was a guy on the right and a guy on the left. And so Peter, uh, Sir James and John sent their mom, ask Jesus if I could be vice president and he could be chief minister. And then the others were hearing it and they were mad. You know, so there were schemers like them and then there were those who just took action into their hands. Like Peter was like, okay, let's cut off that ear because that's how Jesus wouldn't be arrested very diverse group one interesting contrast among them is a is a, there, was, there was a tax collector which meant which meant he was working with the with the uh, the occupying power rome he was working for them uh and enjoying the comfort it provided him and and this means that that every jew who longed for freedom hated him right and then there was a zealot called simon uh, zealots were a, a a a a sect and they believed in winning uh, uh freedom for for israel by any means including murder okay so imagine breakfast when they woke up in the morning someone goes hey trader the other one goes hey eh, are you doing that murderer?" right in today's world this just you know in this in today's divided world Think of a, of a Republican and Democrat sharing close community. Not just going to church and going, oh, it's good to see you there. Sharing close community, doing life together. Think of staunch UDA supporters who literally tattooed their, their, their chests and arms and strong ODM supporters who did not eat for days when the Supreme Court ruling was given. Oh, you think it's a joke, right? These two share community. Think of a community. A couple of years back where a a, a, a a declared Mongiki sect member would be sat with a police officer, sharing life together. Right? This is the kind of community Jesus had. Still, Jesus knew that it is only in community that formation and therefore transformation happens. That's why he invited them, come, follow me. Am I supposed to hang out with that one? Yeah, I'm afraid so. Am I supposed to do life with this one? Yeah, I'm afraid so. You follow me. Actually, Jesus was so adamant about that. Towards the end, uh, when Jesus is, 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 is about to be taken up, he's, he restores Peter, and there were rumors flying around that, that the... the The beloved disciple will not see death until Jesus comes. So Jesus tells Peter how he will die. That's, I I wouldn't want that, Lord. But anyway, Jesus goes on and does it. And Peter goes, what about him? Don't don't we all do that? It's like, Lord, fine, I'll say yes, but they got a job. I've been praying for months. Lord, I'll say yes, but they got a baby. I've been praying for years. So it's kind of that situation. And you know what Jesus says? What I do with him is none of your business. You follow me, right? So, it, it, and he was inviting them into community. Here's why community is important. In community, you learn to love and be loved. We are a 10 in our need for love, but we are often like a 3 in how we love and receive love. It's only in community that we can learn to love and receive love. It's only in community that you will be challenged and accepted at the same time. Because if you think you're always right, mm, that's a problem, right? But in community, you'll be challenged. Some people will not agree with you. And you might be right. But anyway, it's only in community that you'll be challenged and accepted. It's only in community that you'll be called out. Because sometimes, a lot of the times, we need someone to say, I don't like how you talk to your spouse. I don't like how you treat the people who work for you. I, I, can we have a conversation about this habit? It's only in community that, that can happen. And it's also in community that you can be celebrated. You know what, Alan, you're a generous person. You know what, uh, uh, Jane, you, 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 you are kind. It's only in community that that can happen. It's only in community that you'll be encouraged because sometimes we don't have the strength to keep going. Sometimes we've done it over and over again and it feels like we're not moving anywhere. It's only in community that you'll be encouraged. It's only in community that you'll be taught because you only know what you know. You only know what you know. It's only in community that we properly host the presence of God. If you're going to follow Jesus if you will become everything you've been called to be, if you're going to mature in your faith, it can only happen in community, both corporate and around a table. And I know community is scary for so many people. Not just the, the introverts. Actually, I feel like, you know, you could find some introverts that are fine around community. They're just not uh, very... So, uh, you know, they just get their energy differently. You could find extroverts who make friends very easy, but they're afraid of community. I have learned over time, I say hi, I smile, but, but every time somebody says, hey, can we have coffee? I'm just going, oh, what are we going to talk about? Leave me alone. When I get there, of course, I'll smile. Okay, so let me say this. If you've ever invited me to coffee, this, I, I don't necessarily... It might have happened, I don't know, but... community is not connection. We often assume that community is connection. Now, there will be connection in community, but that's not all of it. You know, I mean general connectivity, uh, collaboration and engagement. Oh, we do this together. I sent them a tweet yesterday. I follow them on Instagram. I follow this church. You know, I know that so many uh, uh, Kenyans are, are, are are part of Elevation Church and, and Hillsong and Vineyard Churches out there. And I know that some people uh, who watch us online are like, yeah, that's my church. You know, community is not connection. The world is, the, is most connected we've ever been, yet people are feeling more and more lonely today, right? As the world has gotten more connected, uh, um, membership in communities have dropped. Gym memberships, I mean, there's a lot to do with that. I was a member of a gym and I uh, used to go once a month and then uh, then the gym closed down, so uh, amen. <laughs> uh, whether it's membership in churches, the more and more people have gotten com- connected, the more and more membership in community has dropped down and then people have just gotten lonely and lonely um and 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 so with the rise of loneliness we've seen the rise of depression anxiety addiction suicide yes even addictions the probability for addictions are are higher and worse when there is lack of community a few you know a few years back the 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 prime minister of the UK Theresa May uh that's like three prime ministers ago I guess um Uh, uh, actually had a minister for loneliness oh don't laugh about it it's just that our government hasn't found out yet (laughs) we might be in greater debt in Kenya just you know paying a minister for loneliness around here that's how bad it is and and here is why connection isn't necessarily community We are deeply wired to be seen. There is something that happens within human beings when there is face-to-face interactions. That's why COVID lockdowns were difficult. Because people on screens and they helped. Uh, People on phone calls. But there was something missing. And you didn't have to go to... uh, uh, to coffee, if you're the person who goes, Oh no, what will we talk about? Uh, and, and you could have coffees delivered to you. And there's a good deliverer guy in the crew if you need that. But anyway, so you could have coffees delivered to you, food delivered to you. But what was missing? Face to face interactions. We are wired to be seen. If you want to know how early it starts, for those of you who are parents or uncles like I am, anytime you're hanging, <laughs> Why was that funny? I am an uncle, Uh, (laughs) anytime you're, (laughs) what's wrong today? Anyway, anytime you're around kids, what do they say? Look, 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 right? They want you to see them. From a very young age, we are wired to be seen. Mommy, look at me, look at me, look at what I did. And then when you turn your attention to them, you're, you're busy having uh, uh, a, a deep conversation with a friend and the child calls and then they go, they do something so silly. And you're Like, oh my goodness, what's happening? We're wired to be sinned. Look, look, look. That is why God in the Bible is also called Yahweh El, uh, El Roy, the God, the God who sees. He sees us. And it was actually... I uh, uh, called of him when he saw Haggai, uh, uh, the, the maidservant of, of Sarah who was sent away. And she was about to, her and, her and her child would have died, and God showed up. And this is the God who sees. I see you. And we are wired, because we are made uh, like our father, we are wired to see each other. We are, we are in need of being see, seen. Community is not chemistry. You know, uh, there are people with with whom you just connect. It's love at first sight. You know, it's like, oh, they get me. We sat down and they finished my, uh, my sentences. They almost finished my ice cream, but I stopped them. That was a bit too far. But in that moment, I knew we were destined to be friends. And, and you want to spend a lot of time together. Hey, what are you doing on Tuesday? Do you want to hang out? You can have chemistry with people who don't live around you. You can have chemistry with people who are not in your city. And I think sometimes that's because you're not close enough to realize that they are also human. So they, they keep their veil of divinity for such a long time. You know, that's why on, on, online, online uh, dating is, oh, it's, it's a miracle because you never get to, well, I guess people get to meet. But, you know, it's, when it starts like, oh, get me. Did you see their bio? They like cats. They're my people. I do like cats. Okay, let's focus though. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but that is not your community. Community has to have an aspect of doing life together. So unless they're doing life with you, you you can have a connection and they can be great friends. And we all need great friends, but they're not your community. And in the way of Jesus, you get to be in community with people you have a connection with and with people you don't have a connection with. You know that those people you will resonate with and that those people who will annoy you. Trust me, you are annoying some people anyway. That's the kind of community we're invited into. Community is a group of people with a common goal doing life together. There has to be two things, common goal and doing life together. One example is the Cycle for Fun community, which I think Cliff is a part of. They actually have a common goal and they do life together. Gyms are a good community. Schools are a good community. At this point, I just... Listen, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus and that's still a journey, let me just encourage you nonetheless to actually join a community. Human beings are wired to be seen. If you're here and, you know, you heard us talking about signing up community groups and you're going, I'm scared, nonetheless, join a community. It is good for you. Now, to those who are following Jesus, let me tell you the truth. You need a community as part of your intentional design to follow Jesus. Following Jesus won't happen by accident. It has to be intentional. And in that uh, uh, design, you have to have community. Jesus himself lived in community. The stories of Jesus' life are punctuated by two things. One, withdrawing into private to be with God silence and solitude and two engaging with the world in community every you, you look at the stories of Jesus he's he's withdrawn they wake up and where is he he's praying alone he's baptized where does he go he goes into the desert uh, to the to the desert alone to pray it's punctuated with those two movements withdrawing to be in silence and solitude with the Father, and then in re-engaging back in the world in community. I am, I am convinced, I am convinced that if there are two practices that are so important in the way of Jesus, are two practices that are so important in following Jesus are those two. There's so many practices in the way of Jesus, so many practices we're called into that form us. But I really believe Two of the most important, silence and solitude where you're alone with God and doing life in community where you are with others and with him. Most of your healing, most of your healing will happen in these two places. This is why in both you're naked and unashamed. This is a Swahili proverb that, you know, uh, um, hazai, right? Uh, if, 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 if a family well let me not over explain it it's, uh, so there cannot be healing so the, the implication is there cannot be healing unless we're laid bare there cannot be healing unless we're laid bare and the two places we're often laid most bare is in silence and solitude uh, uh, and it, together in community And these are the two most feared things for human beings, right? People are most cared to sit in silence and solitude with just their own thoughts and God. We're terrified, right? There's a theologian who says we're afraid of silence and solitude because uh, to just be alone with God because we might find out that there's nothing there. So often we would rather pacify ourselves with being busy we're always doing something. We're always doing something. Sometimes we're doing religious stuff. Sometimes we're doing good things, but we're busy doing something because we cannot just be with ourselves. I've told a story over and over again, uh, traveling one time, and, and uh, we got to the venue early, and I wanted to be part of the setup, and, and the Holy Spirit said, no, go to your room and sit. And it was one of the most impactful, most powerful times I've had with God. Uh, uh, so often what people do to not be with themselves and with God, uh, they, we, we, we pacify ourselves with, with drugs of our time. Netflix, Netflix and chill. Those are two different things for those who are wondering. Uh, social media, we pacify ourselves with chat apps. You can it's amazing how many chat apps are out there, right? It's like you're always texting someone. You're always, and sometimes you're texting them, oh, brother, God is good, isn't he? We're just scared of just being. And then we're afraid of going all the way into community. We can be around crowds. And that's why corporate worship is not enough. Because some of you are disappearing right here. Because you come, you're around this crowd, and you go home and no one knows your name. You, so we're afraid of going all the way into community. We're around crowds. We like a good party. I like a good party. And after, after the party, no one, uh, you let no one in. You're afraid. So it's the 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 oxymoron here is that we we deeply want to be known human beings deeply want to be known but we're really scared of the vulnerability it calls for so anything that requires commitment and vulnerability we shy away from anything that requires commitment and vulnerability we shy away from see in this big crowd you you know you don't have to make any big commitments in this big crowd you don't have to be vulnerable when people say how are you doing It's like oh God has been faithful. Oh, it has been a terrible week. You don't have to say, you know what? I am struggling. I'm struggling with sin. You don't have to say, I'm, I'm struggling with my spouse right now. I could make till death do us part come, you know? You don't have to say, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm hungry. I know I look well-dressed, but I'm not doing okay. And actually, so Brene Brown argues that human beings struggle more to, to enter into joy. In this crowd, you don't have to just fully express how happy you are. You can remain stoic and well-behaved and not say, you know what, I am excited that I got that job. I know there were two other people who wanted it, but I got it, right? Yet everything we desire and the transformation we seek hangs on those two things. Now, these are reasons why we fear community. One individualism. As, as you know, the world has had an adverse reaction to how communities oppressed the individual, and 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 the truth is that can happen. But what it has given birth to, especially in our cities and in the West, what it has given birth to is hyper individualism. People are now their own authority. The locus of authority has shifted from from community out there to me. I am the boss of me. You don't tell me what to do. Everyone has their own truth. Well, I'm speaking my truth. Wait a minute. There are seven billion truths out there? How, How common is the phrase, oh, as long as it makes you happy, my dear? Like the best advice people give nowadays, oh, does it make you happy? Then go ahead and do it. Oh, I want to I leave my family. Oh, does it make you happy? Go ahead and do it. We want freedom to do whatever we want, whenever we want, with whomever we want, wherever we want. As long as we keep saying, as long as they don't hurt anyone. Anyway, it's my, it's my choice. I don't want to be questioned. But the truth is, the freedom and the love we are seeking in our individualism is undermined by individualism itself. The more individualistic society has gotten, the less committal we have become. And then the only, we only find connection with people who think like us, sadly online, and, and people who agree with us. And the more society has gotten divided and divided and divided, right? The other reason is idealism. We're in the search for a perfect community. Oh, the community that will love me like Jesus. We're scared of how messy and imperfect community is and have this image of a better one. Those that will wash my feet because Jesus said, wash each other's feet. No one has done that in our community or our leadership group. I don't know what's happening there. So it keeps us, what that does is it, it keeps us from joining community because, oh, it's just not perfect. Or at best, It keeps us jumping from one community to the other. The moment we are hurt in community, we're like, yep, I'm out of here. I knew they were not perfect. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a a German uh, theologian and philosopher, uh, said this, he who loves the dream of community more than the community itself becomes a destroyer of both. Here is the truth, and here is what I'm also inviting you to. And here's what I believe Jesus is inviting you to. Community is messy. Community is hard work. Community is not perfect. But community is how you will walk with Jesus. Community is how you'll be healed and transformed. The other reason, which I think is the biggest one, and which the last one I'll share, is that fear. We're just afraid. I think this is the biggest one. There's something about community, just like silence and solitude, that opens us bare. Like you can only pretend for too long. You know, uh, when, when, when couples join a community, the first day they're in their best behavior. And then give them a couple weeks, and then you go, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> you can only you can only pretend for too long you know you join a community as an individual the first day you're chewing nice you know it's like just eat 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 quietly man 3 weeks later you're tired you're hungry you just go oh, by the way this is how loud i chew all right you know you, you uh, anyway <laughs> let's not go further down that road so the, something about community makes us naked and unashamed and the thing is, we want to be fully known, but there's always this voice at the back of our heads that's saying, will they love me if they actually know me? Will they love me if they realize I'm not always bold? Will they love me if they realize I'm, I'm not always holy? You know, will they love me if they realize that uh, I struggle with depression? Will they love me if they real? Will, will they, will they, will they? And that just keeps us from community. I think a third one, I sh, a fourth one I should have added is this laziness. It's like, do I really have to? It's, it's a lot of work, right? So I want to invite the band back on stage as we finish. So the next couple of weeks, I want to, I, I, I want to just draw this uh, uh, picture of, of the kind of community God is inviting us to. And um, so just to let you know, your healing and your transformation will only happen in in silence and solitude, just you with the Father, and in community, both corporate and around the table. Commitment takes, uh, sorry, community takes commitment and vulnerability. You cannot fully walk the way of Jesus unless you're in community. I know we would love to, to do that. I know we'd love to keep it private. I know we'd love to just uh, uh, find ourselves transformed at 80 because we never left our rooms. You cannot, be, uh, you cannot fully the, uh, uh, walk the way of Jesus without being in community. So we'll also be launching our community groups. Some have have been in existence for a while, uh, and some are new. What I want you to do this week, so we are actually launching them today. What I want you to do this week is is just go pray. Ask the Lord, where should I go? Where should I commit myself? Where will I dare walk in community? Um, And then in this week, before you sign up next week, I want you to... Invite just a small group of people at a table. It could be here. This place is always open. If you have a one-room house and you don't think they will fit, come here. Just ask for one of the green tents and eat together. And just ask each other, how are you doing? And give each other time to to actually speak that out. Or invite them to your house. So here are some of the the people who will be uh, leading Uh, some of these i think we'll add a few more so this is also an invitation if you would like to host a community group we we would love a few more so mercy who's who's leading worship here uh just so yeah and wilco if you don't mind just stand oh well yeah so that's another community group um ephraim meso Uh, yeah just stand (laughs) so they see you that's another one of our community group leaders Danny Rapp and, 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 oh, sorry, no, that's actually a different one. Danny Rapp, who was uh, releasing Kids Today, leads another. That one is very specific. It's for young ladies only. Uh, Joy McCann is leading uh, another one, and we will uh, clarify any specifics on that. And then Sean and his family, Sean and Mary. So that Sean will be leading another. Why don't you stand? Uh, Could our prayer teams come up front? Um, um, as As I was thinking about people who've been hurt in community, it is not untrue that people get hurt in community. That's very true. And uh I just would love to pray with you, and I know that some of you have even been been, been hurt here it would it would not be unlikely would love to pray with you uh and then specifically, one of the closest communities we have is 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 um uh, marriages and um it's it's not unusual at any given sunday morning to have are couples that are hurting with each other. Uh, but I just felt that specifically there just might be someone who feels done. And we'd just love to pray with you as Jesus walks with you in that distress. I'll pray and release us. Are there any other words? Uh, yeah. I had a sense that there's some of us here who are feeling like we're birthing something and it's like this season of birthing where you actually almost feel like giving up and you feel like you've pushed so hard you've tried so hard and yet God's saying that baby's actually coming the thing that you have been birthing is actually coming and I feel it might even tie into this community thing that you've been trying with relationships you've been trying to be more bold you've been trying to be open and God is saying that push through don't give up don't stop because the baby is actually coming God will actually birth what he's birthing through you and through your obedience. Any other words? Lord Jesus, thank you. You are love. Just thank you because in you we, we are completely loved. There's no part of us you don't see. There's no part of us you, 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 you won't embrace. Father, I ask, you give, give us the boldness to actually follow you? I, will, uh, I bless you now to go into the city, to your families, to your friends, to strangers, and live out your faith from a place of delight and joy. May the Father fill you with so much delight. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring you uh, names, even in the week of peace. And I pray that he will also bless you with boldness to say, I will dare try. I bless you now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, some of those words that have been called out, please come up front. We would love to pray with you. If you're sick and you're here today, we'd love to pray with you. Um, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. The worship team will still lead in worship, and you're welcome to stay, but if it's time to go, uh, go in peace and greet someone on your way out.